Here we are today with Tony Johnson from Cooma, an old snowy bus driver man from over the past 40 years, is it? 40 years as a bus driver. What have been your highlights of bus driving, Tony? My highlights of bus driving, uh, on the tours, taking people up over the snowy mountains, showing them down over the Tumut Ponds Dam, Tumut One Underground Power Station, I used to get a great highlight out of that nearly as much as the passengers. Uh, Tumut Three, especially on the snow, they were three day snowy tours. And uh, sometimes people lot better than others, you know. Some people show more interest than others in the skiing, but uh, general, yeah, that's what I really enjoyed about it. The old days seem to have more character about them than now. Mm. Why's that? Well, as there used to be pioneers, used to have tours going all over the mountains, and I was working with Boomerang at the time, showing uh, you know it was great interest in days. And now there's uh, there's not even one one coach tour that does the snowy mountains now. It's oh, a shame. Mm. Mm. You people just look, you know, the younger generation just haven't got the interest in it. Yeah. But there might be as Coomer as now with a uh, Melton Turbul getting this power stations going underground. There's 27 kilometres of tunnels to go through, yeah. underground power station to go in, pumping stations to go in. So as they say there's probably around about uh, a good six years work there now coming up. So and it, Apparently the uh, feasibility study's just been finished and they've got the go-ahead to go with it, so that's definitely a goer. You sure they're not building an underground bunker? Well, this could be a possibility. <laughs> you just wouldn't know, would you? So, the, the tours, you got any funny stories from the tours? One of your fondest memories? Oh, bus driving. Let's just not be specific. Let's generalise it. What's your funniest story of bus driving? Or a story that comes to your mind? Oh, gee. Funniest part. Mm, funniest part. Oh. Yeah. Gee. Yeah. You have got me thinking there. That's all right. <laughs> I have. What, what about that time when, uh, when you were late up at... I think I remember you telling me a story about that. I remember one day there at Cabramara, we went in for lunch, put pretty bad day, had to put chains on, mm. get into Cabramara, had lunch, and it was that cold, mm. I think it was probably around at minus 15 degrees, something like that, and the, all the snow was, was frozen, it coming down, just froze on the windscreen, had to go in and get a couple of jugs of hot water to thaw the screens out, when we come out after lunch, it was about, about an hour's break we had there here at Cabramara, uh, that was a pretty cold day, yeah. Yeah. But uh, people got a great kick out of that, of course, you know. There's a lot of Queenslanders on, never seen snow before, so oh, experience, yeah. yeah. For sure. Yeah, so. is, is it hard to put chains on a bus? There's a lot of wheels there. Yeah, you only put them on the outside jewel, of course, on the on the back. Okay. You got two, you got, oh, you got two jewels, you got two wheels on either side at the back, and they go on the outside one. But, uh, yeah, it's a bit of a knack in it, of course. and. Yeah. Uh, like everything, once you put them on once or twice, when you get to know, you make a mistake the first time, you're not going to do that the second time, you know. <laughs> no. uh, so, uh, yeah, you probably put them on about, oh, all the pens on, yeah, probably about 15 minutes, something like that. How do you know when to put on this, 
put on the uh, the snow well, chain. Well, in the early days, you used to use your own discretion. Yeah. Uh, you uh, come, you know, going like the Cabramurra, there was a big hill there known as Power Line Hill. That's if you got that far sometimes on bad days. And as you're going down over the range, I was used to hit the brakes on the bus two or three times. Just hit them hard, you know, just going slow. And if the front started to slip, it was time to put yeah. the chainer up. And that was the old, old school way of doing it. The old school way of doing it. Yeah. Now they've got park rangers, they've got police. Generally park rangers or, or they've got traffic controllers, you know, yeah. they, they're contractors that work for the Department of Main Roads or uh, the Kosciuszko National Park. Mm. So sometimes you don't really need the chains, but they're in charge and they'll they're say, right, pull over here, chain base, fit your chains up and that's it. Fantastic. So, uh, Thank you, Tony right, Johnson. Mate. Thank no, you very please, much please, for telling me. Pleasure, mate. Pleasure any time at all. She'd have a job. She'd have a job to get to know it. It would be. Oh, Christy, yeah, that's right. Because you always get, you, it's like everything, I suppose, you always get some, if you're a bit of conference or you're, you know, you always get some smart bastard, you know, at the back, you know, put some smart comment over, mm. and when you're just kicking off, it doesn't help you, you know what I mean? No. Not at all. Not at all, mate. That's right. Things like that, you get to know it. Yeah. Oh, Bill. Oh, Bill Crow. Jim Crow, his name got that. How he got Bill. Bill Dyeball, I suppose. See, Bill. Cause he, that's, that's, how, that's how it would have been. Because Bill Dyeball, he was driving the freaking thing, and Jimmy Blake on the commentary would say, you know, I'll drive out of days, Bill Dyeball. Yeah. <laughs> My name's Bill Crow. But his name's Jim Crow. Jim Crow, yeah. yeah. No, well, so you'll have to stay Bill Crow all day, Nick. <laughs> Bill Crow and Jim Dyball. <laughs> uh, oh, boy. Change that up. <laughs> stuff up. Stuff up. Stuff up. Stuff up. Stuff up. <laughs> so you didn't have that job for long, then? <laughs> Was he a commentator? Oh yeah, no, he was doing it, doing it for bloody years, eh? The old Jim, yeah, shit, yeah. Then he come, he was bloody, he was, uh, that was from Boomerang's times, and then he went to, uh, first, then he was out with Pioneer Tour, and then bloody, uh, uh, he went to, not operations manager, he was, what do you call, bloody, doing all the rosters and schedules and everything, with Pioneer in Canberra, all bloody, drivers and that, you know, you'll be on day tour today and I'm on the express and, and what you're coach 45 and whatever the coaches are, they send it everywhere. He was doing all that work, yeah. Yeah. He's good at it, shit yeah. That's how he got going, yeah. 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 He started doing a couple of things. But no, he got once he got going, got a bit of confidence with the tours and that, you know, he was right there. But it's hard to say, you know, that's what Bill said, you know, starting off was pretty hard. I found it freaking hard too, you know, when you first kick off, yeah. Because you're trying to think of the commentary and that, and you've got dams. Then them days, you know, it's all metres, of course, now, yeah, but them times it was feet, yeah. you know. So many yards of concrete or whatever it go in, the wall's 235 feet high, the Jindabyne Dam, which it is, and uh, some of the Mount Kosciuszko, 7,314 feet, I don't know what that is in metres, that's what it is in feet. Uh, yeah, how high is Kosciuszko? 7,314 feet above sea level. Yeah. I don't know what that is in metres. So uh, that's still only the old things, you know. But uh, 
Yeah, so you got to, until you get to know it, yeah. so you know, I've just, you're over and over, it just all sinks in after a while, like everything, isn't it? Yeah, but, repetition. Uh, yeah, but at first, you know, so you're thinking of that, and you're thinking of other things, and you can get balls up pretty quick. Yeah, you know? really. Yeah, yeah. You might just, so you get, as I say, you used to give little brochures out, because that's the film and the snowy scheme, on, especially on that Cabramara run, of a morning, so they'd, they give them little brochures out, you know, and they'd have the heights of the dams, they could breathe through it, you see. She's sitting there, and I, I said, Junior Vine's 235 foot high, well, if you made a blue, hang on, mate, you've, you've just added six foot to that dam. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah but it was full on the oh, day. Yes. Lost <laughs> 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 <Awesome>. some. <laughs> yeah. Tight, tight. You, you, that's what I mean. That's yeah. where you get a smart ass, you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. You say that, you see. So then if you have a smart answer... Is that, that when right, it's full or empty? Yeah, that's it. Smart. <laughs> Is that when it's full? Yeah. So say something back to him, you yeah, know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And most of them just laugh, you know what I mean? Yeah. You get that clam, You get that, yeah, you get them blokes, you know, you get them blokes, yeah. yeah. Make it all very interesting. My old crash gearbox once, old boomerang days on tour, not long started with it. You know, just getting a bit of confidence. And you know, the crash gearbox, you know, so manual box, but if you didn't get the engine revs right, the bastards, you could push them. Well, you could break the lever off, you wouldn't go in your gear, you know. <coughs> <coughs> come right through the friggin' bus. <coughs> anyway, had a full deck on this bloody day too. And, uh, Call me. He's like, just sort of saying, it's all right, Tony, or whatever. He said, Daddy. He said, there's a couple of pieces, couple of pieces out on the road here. We can pick them up on the way back, but most of them are still in the gearbox. Most of them still in the gearbox. You know, <laughs> so, how you feel, you know, free you feel when you let that you go know, as red as a beetroot, you know. <laughs> Can't get much the gears in the bars. That was those memories. Yeah, memories. Well, they're all crash boxes, you know, you know, it's fine here, crash boxes, too. Yeah. First time, I think the old Pioneer over, when they got, when we were touring, they were touring, they had bloody, they had Cine crews that just came in with, with automatics in them. So that made their job a bit easier. Just the automatic gearbox in them. But they were the only ones, and they weren't much good. They used to overheat them out, the transmissions would burn out, change gears off in the time, and so the bloody, Mainly went on the crash, all the crash gearboxes, all the express buses, all the crash boxes. Mercedes and the later part of the game there, they had synchro gearboxes in. That's easier, isn't it? Oh shit, yeah, 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 yeah. Them old crash boxes, there's nothing to wear out of them, all they've got's gears, all they've got's cogs in them, no synchro rings around, you know, it's all on the engine revs. When you get going, you'll throw the clutch away. You forget about the clutch pedal. Just bloody, just use the old accelerator, you know, that you know what you're doing. Just change the bloody gear lever, just fall in and out of your hand. You've got the engine revs right. If you haven't got the engine revs right, even when you've got the clutch, you can do what you like. You can make sure it's gear. And that's even going down the gears? Down, down the gears, up the gears, doesn't matter what. Right. That's pretty difficult to stick to the other thing, you know, you, 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 some would pick it up easy, others very hard, you know. One bloke, 
uh, Stuart Borry, you know, we're going up the railway one morning. He's, he was heading up to Parish, you know. I think we had, we had three buses going to Threadbow and then about four going to Parish that morning. And plus three going to three or four going to Gindervine Sport and Rec when the trains used to run into Kuma. Anyway, winter time of course, so we went up there and this bloke, <coughs> Stuart said you drove, he's just a casual driver, you drove crash boxes before he said, Oh yeah, I'm sure I drove a bit, you know. She was just telling the thing I went with him. He was the boss, he was the head mechanic bloke, and he used to run the do the rosters and run the run the winter time schedules, you know, in the winter time there in Cuba. Then he went off they go out to Commissioner Street and he went to change, change they only had four gears in them, but they crash box. So he went to change gears, couldn't get a couldn't get a law. And you know, Stuart's a takes just pull up, he said take off again, start off again. Done it again. Couldn't get into second. Couldn't get second gear. Anyway, yeah, another go. Another. Then he got second gear. Then he went to get the third gear. Couldn't get third gear. So the steward said, "I can't see." He said, "Up the mountains." He said, "With passengers." He said, "Like that." She said, "No, good mate." He said, "He said I have to take it myself." He said, "You, you buddy, you go back. You see, you can walk back there. You just go." That was how fucking. Yeah, oh. he, went, yeah, he went from here to that fence up there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He couldn't go further. So he, yeah. yeah. He said, just, just go back there. He said, go into my office part. He said, tape. He said, time sheets. He said, just see him on the desk. He said, you make yourself out four hours, call out. He said, this is four hours work you've ever got. Four hours, so he called out, you know, casual rate. So he, went, he said, I can't. He said, I'm sorry. He said, I can't. He said, yeah, this is not going to He said, how are you, you going to change? He said, well, what are you? Passengers, you know, used to do. Not really yeah, reputation. Yeah, That's yeah, you know, good, mate. It's not safe. Going in the mount's not safe. Ah, oh, shit. Not safe. And he wrecked me drove. I don't, I don't think he drove the bastards at all. No? No. Oh, well, he couldn't drive them at all, you know. But they were hard, so... So how why did he say he could drive the bus? Hey, I'll pack it mine up. He said he... Stuart just said he had an experience with crash gearboxes. And he said, oh, yeah, he said, I drove my bed, you know. Whether once. it was a truck or whether it was a bus or what, I wouldn't know. But yeah, once must have gone for a game. He didn't say he was any good though, he's had he's experience with it. He's nothing good at all. Yeah, I've had experience, but I didn't say I was any good at him. What if he, well, he, he probably, he wouldn't have got up to the station. No. A, that, even if Stuart wasn't, wasn't with him, he probably wouldn't have got up there, you know. He wouldn't have made it. He wouldn't have made it. Thanks, Tony. You got that all on. Here's a trip down memory lane with Chris and his ventures through Nepal. So would you do Everest? No. Why? It's too dangerous. Why is it too dangerous? One in how many? Ten. Die. Yeah. And there's no uh, certainty that you'll make it to the top. No guarantee. So you get three quarters of the way up, where the turns. Time to go to back down. Where the times are you, uh, yeah, any sort of little thing that happens, you start to get a tiny little cough, or you oh, really? start to feel tired and the guy's like, that, you're going down. It's too dangerous. No risk for them. Well, eliminate all risk. Yeah. And one out of ten people die. Wow. And then I think there's only like a I think there's like a 20% success rate of the climbers that go up actually make it to the summit. Wow. 
That's huge. So you imagine paying 65 grand, being in like peak physical, like, you know, um, performance, getting yeah. ready to do it. Yeah. And then the weather turns on you and you can't do it. Yeah. Or, you know, you get like a tiny little cough or some shit like that. And the guy's like, yeah, no, you're going down. And how much does that cost? 65 grand. $65,000 to climb Everest. The cheapest you can do it for is like 25 grand. Um, but that's like very, very basic stuff. Like you'll have a guide and a one Sherpa maybe, but you you would have to carry all your tents up to camp one, camp two, camp three, camp four. Um, you'd have to carry all your own oxygen, you'd have to carry everything. Yeah. And so that's why people pay more because you don't really want to be exerting that sort of energy if you're going to go all the way to the top. Nah, they're just lazy. Mm. Hey? <laughs> you can't say that. I'm climbing Everest for 65k. I don't want to carry my stuff because I'm lazy. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, right. But yeah. 25k. Well, how's that? You, you pay less for a more of an experience, more of an achievement. Fair enough. Plus, you want to be an experienced climber. So what was your highlight? Um, yeah, I just have to say the, the scenery on that. The scenery, like when I was in the, the Annapurna, the scenery was unreal. Like yeah. we were, we were two, horizontally, we were two kilometers away from, I think it was like two of the largest 10 mountains in the world. And just like looking up and it's fucking unreal. Wow. It was crazy. Yeah, it was just uh, surreal, huh? Yeah. And the thing, like, and the the thing is, is like no, no photo or like incredibly detailed description can even come close to some of the things that you see. And yeah. Stuff, so. It's like Dow. There's no word. It's just is. Exactly. It's Dow. Dow. But I wrote like a, um, uh, like I, I had a journal which I wrote in for the first two days and then I just gave it up. <laughs> it was like too much effort. But on the last day of hiking, out of all of it, um, I like got in the bus to go back to Pokhara. Yeah. And, um, you know, like everyone was like sat in there and, listening to music or you know just chatting away and I like decided to just sit on my own yeah and uh just like take in the last of the mountains as as it's like walk as we were driving off yeah yeah and um I like felt this like emotion like come over me as I was like tired and all this other shit and I'm just like looking out the window and it was the one time that I wrote down exactly what was on my mind that's one of my biggest regrets was I didn't do that more often while I was there. Great lesson. Great lesson. Be in touch. Be in tune. But I still have it, and I read it to uh, I read it to my mum and my dad and my granddad, and they all they all want me to type it up and then they send it to them and they're gonna like frame it. Legend. Because they called it a poem. Wow. It's, it's like not. Thank you, Chris Stockwell. Trips to Nepal. Tune in next time.
G'day Storm, how you going? Yeah, pretty good. Awesome. We were talking about calories the other day and uh, I was just wanted to know about what you were saying with this diet, fasting and whatnot. Like, you know, how I asked you about the the, uh, the fast or the, oh, yeah, the, not, the 12 hours. Yeah. Yeah. What? Basically, it will all come down to how many calories you have a day for your body and your exercise or your activity levels. Mm. And as long as you're hitting that every day to maintain weight, you'll maintain weight. If you eat more, that's when you'll if your calories go over your budget, we call it a budget, then you'll put weight on. If they go underneath your budget, and that's when you lose weight. And you should look at it weekly rather than daily as well. Yeah, right, so weekly rather than daily. But what, what, what's my overall, like, so it doesn't matter if I start eating at, say, 10 o'clock in the morning and then don't eat and then just eat for that nine hour window and then don't eat again. It's, it's that's difficult because it goes down to and every individual will work differently. Although you should base your calories around your exercise times. If you're doing a big workout then your calories should be before and after that. Like your majority of it. Or you start your calories at least. You're right. You start your calories. Yep. So now we're talking food combine. Yep. Food combining at a certain time yep. for for weight loss. So if if you're not training, yep. would it can well it really doesn't matter what when you eat, as long as if you spread it out over twelve years, 12, 12 hours and you have your let's say for what what was your budget? Seventeen hundred? Yeah, so everyone's completely different, but yeah, just use that as a an example. A ballpark figure. Yeah. So yeah, if you train in the morning, you should probably, like you would base most of your calories around that. What's that old saying? Eat like a king for breakfast, a prince for lunch and a pauper for dinner. There's actually a bit of, um, a bit of stuff behind that. To say that that's a, a good idea. Yeah, there is. Because if you're not using calories at night, you don't really need them. Yeah. And is it with the uh, with that analogy or algorithm, whatever you want to call it? You still have in your seventeen hundred calories. Yeah. So if I had nothing, didn't eat anything, and then at dinner I went, yeah, I'll smash my seventeen hundred calories. That would still work for weight loss. If that's underneath your budget, essentially, yeah, but it wouldn't be good for health. Yeah, right. So your overall health, your body's gonna. And that's what you should be focusing on, not just weight loss it should be overall health because you can lose weight eating chocolate as long as you're eating the less the calories that come under your nifty budget if it's just full of chocolate you could still lose weight but that's not healthy but the detriment to the rest of your body and that's right the nutrients you're missing yeah. vitamins everything that you need yeah. Yeah. so even if you're going to sit there and do intermittent fasting yep or breaking, or there's all these different names that are coming out for it now. Yeah. If, if it works for you, then it works, but you'd have to really, I don't know enough about intermittent fasting, to be honest, but you'd want yeah. to 
if you're going to fast, if you're not doing anything, in, say for the evening, if you exercise in the morning and then you fast afterwards, as long as you've eaten around those two things and your body's replenished what it's lost. I don't, yeah, I don't really know enough about intermittent fasting. That's cool. But yeah, as long as you, so your nutrients is the main thing and your, your budget. Yeah, so stick in your budget of your, of your certain calories that are set for you. Yeah, and you can work out your budget easy by just, if you start calculating your calories and if you're not, if you stay at maintain a weight and your calories stay similar, that's your budget. Awesome. Thank you, Storm Law. <laughs> Table talk. Storm. Cheers, thanks, and have a great day. Thanks, Troy, you too. It's in there, that's what I was meant for. So where, where did you get all your stuff? All over the place. Yeah. Just yeah. at markets and places. And you've been doing that since you were 16? Yeah. I brought and it in my last box a couple of weeks ago. Your last box? Yeah, so... And so we're at the pallet space, right? Now pallet, pallet space, space yeah. Palmwoods? Palmwoods. Palmwoods, pallet space, palmwoods. Yeah. Here I am. Angie, here she is. Katie. Katie. Who's Angie? Fruit, fruit shop lady. Katie. <laughs> the fruit shop lady up here. No, um, kind of, uh, the old Reach Door Road. Fruit shop? Katie. Fruit shop. Um, oh, Katie. What's yeah. it called? Oh, you're Katie. I'm Katie. I'm Troy. You're That's Troy. That's Beth. No, Angie's Beth. at the fruit shed. That's and, the fruit and Katie's shop. just opened up a marvellous coffee shop here in Palmwood. Yes. Yeah, the grand opening here, and they're also doing the Christmas carols up the main street here in Palmwoods on the 9th of December. Oh, okay, they're doing that same night. Yeah, do you know yeah, that? You knew that? Yeah, the Christmas thing as well? Yeah. Yeah, in conjunction with that. It is coming. The boys up here, um, so my weeds outside are designed that way so I can hedge them. The boys up here are going to concrete, rip up all the old concrete and concrete me a um, footpath, a 1.2 metre footpath. No way. And it's like, I'm so excited! And I don't have to pay for it because they need to to do these little tiny squares of coloured concrete. They need a truck. They can't hire, they can't say, I'll oh, just give us you know, yeah. half a truck. Yeah. And they go, oh, yeah, nah. They have to have a truck. So I'm going to have concrete all the way through. Hopefully, I spoke to them the other day and I said, Are we going to be ready for Christmas? Or are you guys going to fill up my holes until you finish it after Christmas? Because they're behind? Yeah. They're eight weeks behind. Yeah. But he seems that was all the rain, was it? Oh, the rain and the stuff up from the council and yeah. um, a few other things that were mucked up on the wrong way. But they said that they should be ready for me to have them concrete. So I've got a shop coming in here next week. Yeah. She's Earth and Sea Emporium. She's at Macora at the moment. And then I've got an art studio going down that end. So that's all the women around here who do arties, yeah. who do classes like macrame, good do macrame. You know those old, you know macrame? Is that the silk thing that you No, 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 that's actually drying. No, macrame is, you know how you see the, the um, pot plant holders? And they're like, they're all plastered? Oh, yeah. That's macrame. Uh, my dad used to make me and Rod, my little brother, sit outside every Saturday afternoon and macrame these bloody things. Like we'd have one pot holder, six pot holders. But you know, you forget. I'm sure once you started, it'll come back. It'll come back too.
Yeah. 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 Apple and cinnamon. Yeah, she's going to make another one that's squishy and sticky. They're great. She's going to make another one that's got crumble, apple crumble on top. Yeah. Whatever I say, I can't. So I choose not to cook that. But yeah, so we're going to have that down that end, which will be fun. So the emporium there, that's that's all smellies. Well, I don't know what she she upcycles, so she's got a lot of stuff like I do, but she does it on the cheap side. What's the key to upcycling? Hey. What's the key to upcycling? What do you mean by that? Upcycling is what you find. Um, I find a lot of things at the tip. You're not allowed to take anything from the tip. You know, the Endeavour Foundation now takes over the tips. Mm. They run all the, the dumps. So obviously they have shops. But you've got to, like Namble doesn't have a shop. So I, I tend to um, be sneaky there. So I found an old tape. I'll show you. Awesome, Katie at the pallet space in Na Palmwoods. So this here is an old table which oh, wow. is red. Oh, and it showed me. You didn't yeah. tell me where you got it from. And it had a um, you. red belt. So you, it, it helps you by learning it all, it helps you to do your diploma, get your associations, which then gets your insurance. Well, you already have that because you're as a, as a student, you already have that at doing your diploma of remedial massage. And then it also gets you to um, recognized by the health funds, yep. right? So if you're recognized by the health funds, then you've, you've got a reputable business. Yep. And once you've got that, you, um, it's, it's all, all smooth sailing. And you, what I'm thinking Yeah. Good man, I can give you more money. He's getting, getting his toothbrush. <laughs> At Woolies? Yep, so yeah. what I'm thinking is I reckon you've got to enjoy this. So we should do a TAFE course together and then do your course and we can work together. Is there a TAFE course up near home? I don't know, but I think we do. Yeah. Because if you're doing it and studying it at home and studying together, you can... Um, you can, there are a lot more options out there to do um, online massage courses. Yeah. There's heaps more. And then you can do your clinic hours either in someone else's practice or at a, at a different TAFE one day a week. Or you've even, even got, if you're doing it online, you'd find like Harvard or, or um, Yale or, or some other, you know, even the University of England and do a, a, just a, a minor in anatomy and physiology because as soon as you do that or you could even just do it at, at one of the unis around where you're at or something like that you um your knowledge of anatomy and fears in the body just goes next level yeah well he could go to tafe or he could go to the uni here to do that but yeah. if he lives in noosa he could definitely do um do the massage course through 
So the prerequisite for niblet would be to do that massage course, yeah. or if you've got you know a couple of years experience massaging, we could we're good to teach as well. Yeah. Um, you got to go probably Q Academy or TAFE at Nambour or that one that um, a good friend of mine did in Noosa, another college up there. Yeah. Natural Healing College or something like that. Yeah, real easy to get get on the on the on the road to Zion. Mm. <laughs> That's better. Please enjoy this. New podcast from Troy Payne. Sit back and hear what happens at the pallet space. Please enjoy this new podcast from Troy Payne. Sit back and hear what happens at the pallet space.